I didn't, I wouldn't necessarily call it pressure, but what I did feel was a responsibility to the team and to the organization. If he ever got hurt and I needed to step in and play to be ready to play, to be ready to go out there and win football games. Because obviously when Peyton was on the field, you know, we were winning 75% of our games and that's what the organization, you know, expected. And they expected that we would compete for a Super Bowl every year. Welcome to 90% Mental and the In and Out of the Pocket podcast series with all-pro quarterback Jake the Snake Plumber and mental performance coach Grant Parr, where the mental game is discussed and discovered by the best quarterbacks and offensive-minded professionals in the business. From overcoming adversity, celebrating mental wins, to actionable mental skills strategies and more, you'll learn how to mentally navigate in and out of the pocket. Today in the pocket, Jake and Grant sit down with Brock Osweiler, former NFL quarterback, to discuss how to rise above adversity and prepare for the unknown. Brock shares detailed stories from his collegiate and professional career regarding how he developed an approach to embrace pressure. If there is one thing that Brock wants to stress to young quarterbacks, it's know who you are and stay true to your core values. ReadyList Sports is the future of sports playbooks with its digitized integration of multiple learning styles that helps coaches teach better and players learn more efficiently. Engineered by former professional quarterbacks, ReadyList Sports' revolutionary play drawing tool will save coaches countless hours creating plays. ReadyList Sports also provides the players accessibility to study their playbooks using the ReadyList Sports app for iOS and Android. It's like having the playbook in your pocket. The best part of ReadyLists are the auto-generated tests the players take after studying that help ensure retention of your plays. Now let's all huddle up and go visit ReadyListSports.com. Welcome back to the In and Out of the Pocket podcast series with Jake and Grant, where the mental game is discussed and discovered. What's up, Jake? How are you, my man? I'm doing good, Grant. It's nice to see you. I'm excited today because, uh, you know, in and out of the pocket, we're getting to have a guest on the show that was uh, a monster-sized dude in the pocket. And also, <laughs> though, from being an athletic young man growing up in the, in the beautiful place called Montana, was able to develop some, some skills to help him survive and have a very good career. So I'm excited, as always. You know that. I love it. I love it. Um, without further ado, uh, let's introduce our guest. This man grew up uh, in Kalispell, Montana. A very, very good athlete. Amazing athlete. Uh, came through my alma mater, our alma mater, Arizona State, where he killed it and went on to have a great career in the NFL and I believe was very instrumental in the Broncos regaining their glory in Super Bowl 50 when he spelled Peyton Manning that year. I went to all those games. I watched them uh, when I couldn't go. 
this man was huge, huge when he needed to step up. So he encapsulates the role of like mentally be prepared. And uh, I'm excited to have him on the show. He's got his own podcast. We can talk about the Brock and Roll show, but here he is, none other than Brock Osweiler. How you doing, big man? I'm great. What's up, guys? Uh, uh, good to be on your show. Thank you for having me. Uh, how's everyone doing today? Doing great. We're doing good. Real good. Hey, I'm going to start it off with the question since you grew up, you know, in the wild. Yeah. Unlike me. <laughs> today we're in this crazy time. So, you know, it's COVID pandemic. You got to, you know, got to understand, trust your instincts, but also be aware of what's around you. And also be okay with being alone a little bit and like isolated somewhat. So what skills did you learn growing up as a young kid in Montana that have served you well in the current environment today? Yeah, uh, great question. You know, I think, uh, you know, first and foremost, when you grow up, you know, in a rural area like, you know, Northwest Montana or similar for you, you know, down in Southern Idaho, um, you grow up different than everybody else. Um, you know, and, and what I mean by that, it, I wouldn't say it's a better thing or, or it's a worse thing, you know, just like any situation in life, you know, I think there's pros and cons, but, but the thing, or, or I should say the things that, that I was able to uh, grow up with in, in Kalispell, Montana and be exposed to, you know, taught me a couple things. And, and, you know, the things that really come to mind are, you know, hard work, toughness, grit, you know, it's, it's a different deal when, you know, it's 30 to below zero and, um, you know, you go outside to start your car and, and the doors are frozen and, you know, it, it, it's funny, like just a little situation like that, you know, when you're a kid or a teenager, you don't think it's teaching you anything, but it really is. It, it's teaching you how to toughen up. It's teaching you how to, you know, excel during adverse situations. Um, and, and, you know, that's the one thing that I think Montana really does teach you, you know, when you watch, um, and I get it, you know, it's Hollywood, it's a TV show, but, you know, I think a lot of people are watching Yellowstone right now. And, uh, you know, with Kevin Costner and crew, um, out, of, out at the, uh, the Dutton ranch. But when you watch that show, you know, I think the thing that really jumps out to you is like, damn, like these cowboys, like they're tough, right? They're, they're tough. There's no situation that they shy away from. Um, you know, they're confident in themselves because of their hard work, because of their dedication, because of their grit and their values. And that's just, that's just something that Calispa Montana gives you. You grow up a little bit tougher than everyone else. You're exposed to tougher situations. You know, I think you are, um, you know, it's funny. The, the, the first time I, I took my wife back home and uh, we're driving around town, you know, a small town and, you know, I'm waving to everybody, you know, a car passes by and I'm sure <laughs> hey. you can attest to this up in Coeur d'Alene, you know, right now you, yeah. you, you throw up the hand and, and you wave. And, yeah. and I remember she laughed, uh, you know, my wife grew up down here in, in Scottsdale, Arizona. And she goes, uh, do you know all those people you just waved? <laughs> and I said, no, I was like, you know, being friendly and I and you know, wishing that person a good day. And, and, and that's some of that stuff that Council <laughs> Montana uh, teaches you. Um, I'm appreciative for it. And it's something that will, uh, will nice. never leave me. Nice. Teach you to cope and how to be okay with being friendly. Like what's so strange about being friendly? <laughs> yeah, nice. absolutely. You know, and, and when you're talking about to take it into, you know, COVID-19 and, and this world pandemic that we all face, um, you know, that there, there was times in, in Montana where, you know, you'd get three, four feet of snow overnight. And, and I kind of lived, 
you know, it's not like the town was big of Kalispell, but I was still 15, 20 minutes outside of town, kind of out in the mountains. Yeah. So we would get these big snowstorms and literally our front door would be snowed in. And so, you yeah. know, you, you spend four <laughs> or five days kind of isolated. Uh, power might be out. Um, and, and your parents just, uh, you know, they teach you how to get through those times. You learn how to, you know, be patient. Um, you learn how to, you know, just do things with your family and make the most of that time. And so, uh, you how know, to like plan I said, too. you learn how to plan ahead, you know, you gotta be prepared. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that's a skill set, you know, it's, um, you know, always be prepared for the unknown. Um, you know, and, and, uh, that's, that's really what Kalispell, Montana teaches you. Great. Great. That's nice. Good finish there. <laughs> love it. I love it. Well, you, you brought up grit, which is a great segue into dealing with pressure. I want to go back to, uh, your ASU days, which I think is just fitting because obviously Jake went there as well, but I think you were the last true freshman to start a game on the team or within the program since Jake did it. So when you go back to your, when you're freshman, 18 years old, and you're starting your first division one big game, how did you, how did you deal with that pressure? Was, did you have nerves? Did you, was it excitement? Like, how did you deal with the emotions? Uh, absolutely. I was nervous. I would love to sit here and tell you I wasn't, <laughs> and I was cool as a cucumber. Um, but that was also something coming from such a small town and making my first career start at 18 years old. It was on the road at University of Oregon, Autzen Stadium. Oh. It was an ESPN game. They were top <laughs> 10 in the country. You know, we were fighting to be 500. Um, and so, yeah, a, a, lot of, a lot of doubt rolls into your mind. You start questioning things, you know, am I truly ready for this moment? Uh, you know, it's funny, Autzen Stadium, I think holds 60,000 people. And it's one of the loudest stadiums in the country um, where my hometown is 25,000 people, you know? So um, (laughs) how how are you truly ever prepared for that moment? Um, But looking back on that moment, I laugh and and I wish I would have known what I know now. Um, Obviously at this point uh, I'm retired, you know, I've, I've played in the national football league. I've worked with you know, two to three, uh, uh, sports psychologists, uh, mental performance coaches. So the things I know now, I wish I would have had at 18 for that start because boy, I fell flat on my face. I did not play well. Um, (laughs) but, but I will say this, um, the one thing I do remember back to that moment, um, and, and I have to give our, our head coach, Dennis Erickson, a lot of credit for it. You know, he just kind of reminded me that, listen, like we recruited you for a reason. You earned this opportunity for a reason. And so just go out there and trust yourself. And, and I thought that was, um, a really great piece of advice looking back and, um, definitely in the moment, it was very appreciative, but, um, I'd be lying to you guys. If I, if I sat here and said, Hey, I went out there and killed it. I was so confident I was ready. Um, because I wasn't, I wasn't, but I will say this, I think a moment like that, going up into an environment like Autzen, falling flat on my face like I did, you know, that can do two things. It can, one, it could kill your career. It could kill your confidence. You might not ever bounce back from that. Or you can kind of do the alternative and and do what I did. And I studied that game really hard. I looked at myself internally really hard and said, listen up, dude, if you are going to, 
you know, have any success at Arizona state, let alone maybe at the next level or whatever. Um, you have a long ways to go. You have a lot of hard work to put in. And that's literally what I did. I just got back to work and I, and I tried to outwork all of my opponents. I tried to outwork all my teammates because that game just showed how much more improvement I needed to make. That's uh that is a good time to learn when you're a true freshman <laughs> on the road in Oregon. That's tough. Uh, I was on the road in Pullman second half. Go ahead. I'd sprained my ankle the week earlier. So I had a little gimp to me too. So they threw bleeding meat out to the walls. And, uh, yeah. I, I had a few moments that were fun to look back yeah. on, but then also threw pick six, got blasted by some, uh, I think he was a Samoan D lineman just <laughs> killed me. And, uh, yeah, it was welcome to the league, but it was, again, you can't pre be prepared for that. And it's funny in today's world, it seems like these young kids have such success. So, and even their failures aren't really that bad. I mean, they're, they're 20 and 30 in the first half and their coach is pissed right. over through two deep balls and another other guys coming in. So what was your failure? My failure was not being perfect. Yeah. Right. So I, I feel there's a wrong approach to coaching and where a guy like Grant, and as you mentioned, you know, seeing a sports performance coach, let's be real. That dude's there to help you try to uh, digest all the pressure you feel being all eyes on you as a quarterback. So how did you deal with that? You know, I mean, you said you co you, you, you went back and watched the film, but how did you still retain and, and remain QB number one in those times where you did fall on your face? Well, it's, it's funny. Um, because I didn't remain QB number one after the Oregon game, um, I got demoted. I went back to being the backup as a true freshman. I was the number two. And then Danny Sullivan, um, I believe, went in. Samson Sakachi played a couple games down the stretch. And there was just kind of this mixed bag of quarterbacks. Um, but you just kind of touched on it. And, and I get it. You know, the game's in a different place than it used to be. But there's two things I would love to say that, that you kind of alluded to. Yes, without question, uh, true freshman quarterbacks in college football and even rookies in the NFL, it just seems like they're stepping in and having so much more success. I'd love to know, you know, why I have some ideas of why, you know, I think they're exposed uh, to more things at the youth level, mentally, physically, so that they just, by the time they show up to campus, they're developed physically, they're developed mentally, and they're confident and they're ready to roll. But on the flip side, I also think that we live in a day and age where, you know, we are so uh, we're persuaded. We're so folks focused and fixated on the 24 seven news cycle and social media. And I think there's too many good quarterbacks on the other end that, you know, when they do step in and play for the first time, they don't have a ton of success. You know, some players I think need to learn by making mistakes and that's ultimately how they're going to grow and get better but not enough coaches and organizations give these players and quarterbacks enough time to make these mistakes before they're just demoted back to the bench. And so yeah. um, I think there's this, this, there's a balance because so many young guys have stepped in and had so much success, but I also believe there's a lot of really good players out there who if just given the right amount of time, they're going to figure it out. You know, I, I think back all the time to Peyton Manning and his rookie season in the national football league. You know, he set a record for the most turnovers ever, you know, and it's not like the Colts moved past him, you know, but that was Don't, also, you can't say that, man. We're going to blast our podcast. Now we're tanking. You don't speak bad about Peyton. I love it. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just, I'm bringing up facts and, and Peyton would say the same thing, but no one, you know, yeah. there was no NFL network. 
You know, there, there was no, you know, these sports shows and talk shows. It was just, it was kind of the local paper, right? And, and maybe a little bit of, you know, sports center or something like that. And so you could weather those storms, but now there's guys first round picks who get to start 10 games. And if the organization doesn't get the instant results that they wanted in those first 10 games, you know, that guy's done. I can think of two players off the top of my head, Dwayne Haskins in Washington and, and Josh Rosen when he was a first round pick to the Arizona yeah. Cardinals. So yeah. I don't know, two man, it's, um, my, every, everyone's situation's different. You know, I, I think Jake went in there as a true freshman, had a lot of success. I went in there a as a lot true freshman. Of rope too. They gave me a lot of rope. They just kept beating yeah, me. You know, I went in there. We're gonna pull you back, and you're gonna be like, Wah. you know, I went in there. I didn't have success. I was pulled out, and and you know, like I said, I, I faced a crossroad. Hey, give up right then and there, or get your butt back in the film room, get your butt back in the weight room, and get to grinding because you had a long ways to go. And uh, fortunately, um, you know, I, I chose the right right fork in the road but uh yeah it's we, we live in interesting times with that 24 7 news cycle i have to i have to go back a little ways here you touched on something and whenever i hear this it kind of goes because you said like these kids having success they learn it in pop warner that's too young to be learning how to read the top off of a defense or two route combos when you're 10 11 12 it's like unneeded stress so explain to me then if you can or or, or a certain player like a josh allen yeah. Let's let's be real right now. Like maybe his style doesn't last 20 years in the league or even 10, but like what he's doing in the league has not been seen by many folks. Yeah. Cam Newton sort of, but like that physicality. He was a 10-year-old Pop Warner QB getting right. to learn the defenses. So how do we please tell me we can still like have room for these kind of souls that are that are not recruited that yeah. just fight to even get a scholarship. But look at him now, he's dominating the NFL. How many I mean, come on. Yeah, boy, I hope so. And and I agree wholeheartedly with you, Jake. 10, 11 years old. In fact, even pre-high school, let kids be kids. Like the year-round soccer deal, you know, when they're eight years old and they're flying on airplanes to go play in Bad tournaments. News. No, let them be kids. You know, be well-rounded. Play as many sports as you possibly can. When summertime hits... It, go swim in the lake, go get your, go dirty, go get a part-time job. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, Create a new game. So, so, <laughs> yeah. So I, I believe that stuff um, where I think a lot of these kids are making huge strides going into college is later on in their high school careers. I think there's so many um, camps that are offered. There's a lot of uh, QB coaches now that have NFL experience that, you know, if mom and dad are willing to write the yeah. check, they can send their high school kid to, you know, quarterback coach X and learn what cover one, two, three, four is how to attack it. Uh, they learn footwork drills, like things I didn't learn until I was basically a junior in college. Um, so that's, like you that's said, what if I, you could go back, if you could go back and learn it again, like look what you have at your disposal. Right. Right. But um, I'll leave in the butterfly effect and everything happens yeah. for a reason. Um, but to your point about Josh Allen, I love that you bring him up because um, I'm yeah. a fan. I really am. I absolutely love how he plays the game of football. And and what's so cool about Josh, you know, I was still in the league when he was a rookie. And I remember watching some of his preseason film. And it was raw. It was not good by any means. In fact, a lot of people, if you look back to that time period, 
were saying, whoa, who's this first round pick? Yeah. Like, should he have been a yeah. first round pick? But he would put a little flash on film where you would go, whoa, like that's not human. And so yeah. <laughs> it's just so cool to see how you're talking about, hey, giving some rope, right? The Buffalo Bills have given him some rope. But at the same token, he's taken his opportunity and progressively gotten better every single year that he's played. You know, some people now would say, well, you know, he still turns the ball over and tries to do too much. But that's also his style. And that's what yeah. makes him great. And I think if you try to conform Josh Allen um, to just having perfect fundamentals and, and, and playing a game a certain way, well, then you're going to take away what's great about Josh Allen. Um, so I'm a big fan of his. I always hope that there is a place in the game where, you know, the guy has just a ton of raw talent. He just needs some time to develop. And um, I think as long as enough football guys who have played the game and experienced the game are in decision-making roles in the National Football League, I still think you'll see enough of those guys pop in. The pocket just collapsed. Would you rather watch Tom Brady dissect a defense or Josh Allen dissect a defense? Ooh, Josh Allen. Out of the pocket. Out of the pocket. Cool. Go, Grant. <laughs> nice play. First down. I love it. Good answer. Touchdown, well, actually, in my mind. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'm a I'm actually an anomaly. I'm I'm actually born and raised in the Bay Area, but I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. So I'm a Josh Allen fan for sure. So I have this, I've, we're going to bring up Peyton a little bit before we get out of the pocket here, but what was it like? Like, did you feel this pressure at all or, you know, to back up Peyton, one of the best quarterbacks ever played, did you feel that pressure to filling in his shoes? And we talked a little bit about how the landscape of football has been changing. We all know that Peyton kind of pushed the change better for worse. I know Jake and I have talked about, probably not a good thing what he did um, as far as what he's did with offenses. But do you think the way that he's kind of changed to football, do you think that's healthy for development? Uh, and what, in what regards do you think Peyton's changed the game, I guess? Well, I think he's made, he's made it very intricate. He's made it very uh, too complicated. Yep. Yeah, it's too too heady. All up here. Per, per, paralysis by an, by analysis. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so yeah, I'd love to get into it. So your first question, did I feel pressure backing him up? Yeah. Um, I didn't, I wouldn't necessarily call it pressure, but what I did feel was a responsibility to the team and to the organization. If he ever got hurt and I needed to step in and play, to be ready to play, to be ready to go out there and win football games. Because obviously when Peyton was on the field, you know, we were winning 75% of our games and that's what the organization, ex you know, expected. And they expected that we would compete for a Super Bowl every year. And so, um, you know, a lot of people, and, and I used to take this really personally, to be honest, it would, it would really kind of piss me off. Um, you know, guys would joke around, Hey, you know, you have, you have the best job in the league. You know, oh, I wish I had your job and it would really piss me off because, well, one, I wanted to play, you know, no one signs up to sit on the bench. Right. Um, but number two, I also took great pride in the way I prepared every single year that I was Peyton's backup um, to the point where, you know, I don't want to get in comparisons because who knows what he was doing when he would leave the facility at night. Um, I only know what I was doing, but like, 
trust me when I say every minute that I was actually awake during that day, um, when we're talking during the season, I was preparing as though I was going to play that game on Sunday because you never knew when he was going to go down. And I had this belief that if you stayed ready, you never had to get ready. And that was something that I wanted to, to always, you know, just do by example. And so, I mean, I kid you not, I, I remember as a rookie, the first day I got there, I probably got to the building around 6.30, which was really early considering football at ASU didn't start till 2 p.m. So I was like, oh, 6.30 in the morning? Like, well, this is – well, I got there, and, you know, there was a dozen cars in the parking lot already. And wow. so the next day I got there at 6, and now there was a half dozen. Well, one of those cars was still Peyton. And I kept getting to that building earlier and earlier and earlier until I finally beat him. There was only two people I couldn't beat. And it was Greek, our head trainer. Uh, I swear to goodness he got there at 3 a.m. He slept there. He slept in the tape rolls. Yeah. Jake, Jake knows. Jake had him. You know, um, lo- loved the Greek. Uh, but boy, was he there early. In fact, he would have to unlock the door and let me in. Um, and then Adam Gase. At the time, he was our quarterback coach as a rookie. And then he turned into our offensive coordinator. And obviously now he's the, the head coach of the New York Jets. So, those were the only two people that would beat me to the building. And, and the way I looked at it, and I can't remember at the time if Peyton had played 14 years or 15 years or whatever it was when I was a rookie, but I said to myself, listen, I got 15 years to make up on this guy. And, and because if something happens to him, you know, this is a no excuses business and people are going to expect me to step in to run oh, yeah. the same exact offense totally. and to produce wins. And so that's what I did. And then when I went at home at night, you know, I'd sit down for about a half hour with my wife, have dinner, and then she knew it. I'd go right back to the office and I would study till 9 p.m. when I'd go to bed. And um, so that was something that I took a lot of pride in. You know, I wasn't going to let the team down if something happened to him. And so um, and then your, your, your second question, you know, the paralysis by analysis is at least the way I kind of put it with Peyton. You know, that was tough. And obviously, I had a lot of personal experience with that. Um, I remember, and I'm not going to name the name, but there was a coach my rookie year on, on the staff. And he said to me, and I, and I still to this day, I, I talk to my wife about this. I don't know if it helped me or, or if it hurt me. But he, I, I'll never forget it. We were playing the Oakland Raiders. We were on the road. It was the night before the game. We were in the hotel. And we were just kind of visiting before the meeting started. And he said to me, he goes, listen, I need you to be more like Peyton. I need you to do everything that he does. You try to resemble that man to a T. Wow. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy that I really, you know, if, if, if there's a coach and, and, you know, in the hierarchy chain, you know, coaches are, you know, I, I'm going to take his word and, I, and I'm going to, you know, give everything I have you know, when a coach asked something of me. And so, you know, that was something I really internalized and, you know, I studied him, I studied him hard. And so, you know, I felt like everything that he would do mentally to prepare, I needed to do. Um, and, and I would say this, there was a lot of things that definitely benefited me throughout my career. Um, trying to resemble that, um, it definitely, I think sped up my learning curve in some ways. Uh, but without question, there was also a little bit of uh, there was probably me trying to do too much at times and it hurt me. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think back to my very last year playing and uh, I was playing for the Miami Dolphins and, 
you know, statistically had one of my best seasons uh, of my career, if not the best. And, you know, I remember going into that year, it was kind of a prove it year for me, I think, uh, to, to keep my career going. And I ended up finishing the year right around a 90 quarterback rating. And the point of this is I went into that season and I said, here's the deal, Brock. I said to myself, I remember the night before training camp, whether you completely fail the season and, and fall right on your face or you have a ton of success, you are going to do it by being Brock and no one else. You're not going to try to be someone else. You're not going to try to do it someone else's way. You are going to trust your instincts and you're going to trust your gut on all things that hit you during the season and you're going to roll with it. And uh, I tell you what, I had the most fun I've ever had playing football. Um, I had, like I said, one of my best years, uh, there was a big game in there that I didn't even know I was going to be the starter of that game until about five hours before kickoff. I didn't find out until Sunday morning. Um, and it was against the number one defense in the NFL that year, went out there and had a big day. And so, um, yeah, you know, I, I learned a lot from Peyton, but I also learned that at the end of the day, take as much information in from others or maybe better in your field, or you want to learn from and grow from. But at the end of the day, you have to be yourself. Amen. Love it. That's uh, very well said. No one's Peyton except him. Exactly. And no one. I don't know how many players there are out there that can do what he does with the mental side of the game as far as his mental football IQ is out, off the charts to be able to process in that real time of the clock ticking down that if, those that don't know, it's actually faster than a second. <laughs> 20, yeah. That play clock is not that much time. There's no way in hell, no way for Peyton to make five checks and still go yeah. into a cadence and be peaceful and like not even fretting it while the clock hits zero, the ball snapped. I was like shit in my pants when that happened the 500 times it happened in my career. So not many people can go like him. And one thing he – was maybe the greatest? I don't think so. Cause when the pocket broke down, he wasn't very good. And the greatest adapts to everything in my mind. So we'll have another time to talk about who you think maybe your idea of the greatest quarterback is. But one thing I probably think maybe you learned from Peyton about how to stack up your Thanksgiving plate. That's Grant can tell right now. And you probably were out of the pocket now. Yeah. We, we went deep. We went I'm deep in the about, pocket. You were solid today. I love we're it. Out now. I'm rolling to the I'm rolling to the right. This it. is easy. I love it. Dish me up your plate of Thanksgiving food. And what is the like thing that you just get the most of? I love it. I love it. In fact, uh, this is such a great question because about two hours ago, I was at Whole Foods <laughs> with my wife and I was like, we're going to beat the Thanksgiving crowd. We're going to get everything that we can get right now. We'll save a couple items for next week, but, but we're going to get it. So it's actually really fresh on my mind. Um, <laughs> first and foremost, I am not a big turkey guy, man. Um, okay. There's just going to be a little bit of turkey. I don't, you know, I don't want to waste too much of uh, my stomach room for turkey. It, it, you know, I'll dabble <laughs> with a little bit of that dark meat, but. Okay. Don't choke Stop. on the dark meat. You know, it's like <laughs> the, that white meat. You got to be careful. Got to have cranberries yeah. with it. Uh, without question, stuffing is number one, but, but the key to the stuffing, you can't just do like a a plain stuffing. You know, I I like a lot of flavors and spice. So we throw a little bit of chorizo in in our stuffing. Yeah. And, and some jalapenos and, and that's, that's definitely the go-to. 
Yeah, right. I can see now. I got a big helping of that in the middle of my plate. Thank you. <laughs> everything around it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, any more of those? Because it's so funny, Jake, that uh, I would say all of my out-of-the-pocket questions are all holiday-based. So I think we're our heads. Well, are- I got another one. Let me go. Let's do it. Let's do it. If you had to rank like your three favorite Halloween uh Oh, wait, wait, three. Sorry, you cut out for a minute, Grant. Your three favorite Halloween candies. And then your one that you just like, what the hell did some lady hand this out for? She hates kids if she gave this candy out. All right, man. Bad question. I'm boring. You know, I listen, here's the deal. I, I'm doing everything I can in my power right now to avoid my dad. <laughs> um, you don't so, need candy, my ass. Kiss so, my ass, so, you don't need candy. So there's not a lot. But, but if I did have to rank them, no question, Twix is going to be right up there. Love it. Snickers is going to be right up there. And then the toss-up is like, do you do like a Sour Patch Kid? Mm-hmm. Do you do a Skittles? <laughs> do you do a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup? It, it's mm-hmm. just that for three is a toss-up. Peanut, peanut gotcha. Butter Cup. Yeah. I feel your list. Now, now, you're, now for your, your one that you don't like, because mine is, is, I'm going to give you mine. Let me tell you. Oh, that's easy. Wow. That's so easy. What Whoppers is mine. Who gives out Whoppers? It's a malted <laughs> milk ball. Come on. That's a bogus ass Halloween treat. What's yours? Uh, <laughs> great, great call. So I'm forgetting the name, but what, what's, um, what's, what's the candy bar that has like coconut in it? Uh, uh, Almond Joy. Joy. Yeah. Almond Joy. There's just no place <laughs> for that anywhere. Halloween, grocery store, convenience store. Just get it out of there. <laughs> Gotcha. Grant, give us yours, Grant. I need to know. Mine's peanut M&M's. Ooh, yeah. I could rip those all day long, man. I could just sit there in my hands and just eat them. Dangerous. What about the one you'd give your dad? You're like, here, dad, you can have these candies. They're the ones my kids give me, all their shitty ones. (laughs) (laughs) I'd give the nerds. I don't know what it was. A lot of people love those nerds, but I wasn't into the nerds. I mean, the the candy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I got it. Uh, All right. Go, Grant. You got it out of the pocket for Brock? Yeah, I got a couple of your quick ones, holiday-based, if you will. Thanksgiving or Christmas? What's your favorite? Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. Um Ooh. oh boy, those are just two such great. I mean, it's I if, if I had to rank them all, it's like without hesitation, number one is fourth of July. I love everything about it. Coming nice. from northwest Montana, you're on the lake, you're on the boat, there's <laughs> cocktails, there's beer, there, there's you know, you're grilling, you're smoking things, you're with friends, you're with family. <laughs> it's super patriotic, no question. It's it. uh it's it's fourth of july but then when it comes to my second 2a 2b it's thanksgiving christmas um Mm -hmm. with with thanksgiving in a slight lead um i just love the fact that you know it's a big family and friends deal you're getting together you start pouring the wine at 9 a.m as soon as you throw the bird in the oven um (laughs) there's football on tv all day um there's just something about it, you know, leaves on the ground, you're in the backyard playing ball. Um, but obviously Christmas time is pretty special as well. And, uh, but, but I'm a, I'm a big Thanksgiving guy. I really am. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. I'm, I'm a, actually a Christmas dude. And I, and I have an app on my phone 
that tells me how many days there is until Christmas. <laughs> all right, Grant, 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 favorite Christmas movie all time since you're the Christmas guy. Go. Oh, uh, 34th Street. Oh, okay. Classic. Like that. How about you? Uh, Christmas Vacation, hands down. It's there you just, go. Uh, yes. I'm in fact, rock. it's never too early. It, it, it might even come on this week for the first time. We already have the trio. All right. One more question. Since we're talking about the holidays and man, right now I'm, I'm in San Francisco. And so just the, the weather right now is football weather. I, it just brings me back to the days I was in high school and college, right? You know, October, November. And it's just, you just know it's football weather. Yeah. So when you think about football weather, especially when you're getting into the, the fall season for a quarterback, would you rather play in rain or in snow? Ooh, hard rain or light rain? <laughs> hard rain. <laughs> uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take snow all day. I just, um, boy, in that hard rain, man, I just, I think those footballs kind of get soggy and, totally. and, and, and the weight changes, um, where snow, if you catch the right amount of snow on that ball, <laughs> it actually gets a little stickier than normal. Um, mm -hmm. and it's pretty good. As, as long as you keep the snow chunks out of the laces, um, it's not bad. But, you know, I, I love that you bring this up because I think so many quarterbacks, when it comes to bad weather games, and, and I've seen some of them do it, they mentally tank before the game even began. Yeah. And going back to what we talked about at the beginning of the show, and I'm sure Jake would say the same thing. Growing up in Kalispell, Montana, you know, I played in a, a couple snowy games, you know, some in Denver, played in a snowy game in Green Bay, played in a big blizzard up at Washington State. I tell you what, man, like, and I just got goosebumps to call me weird or whatever. <laughs> and that shit got me really excited. Like that to me, that is what football is all about. Like, who is the toughest physically and mentally? Like who can go out there on that gridiron, suck it up. It's zero degrees, snow's flying. It's cold as shit. Like when you get hit, like everything feels like it's going to break because it's so cold, but who just keeps popping back up and making plays. And to me, that's what football is all about, man. Yeah. It's those adverse tough situations. And uh, so I'm not going to lie, man, when I would run out of the tunnel and I would see the snow flying, I'd get a little smile on my face because to me, that's what football is all about. And, and, and you just felt like a kid playing the game, man. So you, you just took me back to now I'm going to go further back, not running out of the tunnel, but running out of the hallway through the double doors across the pavement to the grass. And you got your nerf ball with your boys yeah. and it's snowing and it's recess. You know, that's what we played for, right? That's why we yep. played this crazy-ass game called football in the NFL, yep. took it as far as we could. It was because of that little kid yep. and that feeling. And it comes from this time of year during Thanksgiving, which is my favorite holiday, too, because eating is easy. No one comes and says, yo, you did a shitty job with your yams. Yes. You didn't even go near your cranberries. <laughs> Next, tomorrow, I want you to read option the cranberries more with your turkey yeah. and then mix some corn in there on the side because yeah. cauliflower now is a new like thing we got to have right whatever you know yeah. <laughs> but hey we're gonna wrap the show i think unless grant has anything else for you man no man I, you know what i, I did want to say though when i was younger my career every time i used to hate playing in rain in any kind of rain and i used to think going into it i used to mind screw myself saying that i'm probably not gonna do well so i wish i 
taught myself back then to say, I get to play in the rain. I get yeah. to do it. So, well, yeah. And, and, and to your point, you, you just brought up a great point. Like I get to, you know, that's a phrase that my wife and I, uh, use all the time, even down to, I get to do the laundry, right? Yes. Who wants to do the laundry, but you have to remind yourself how fortunate <laughs> you are to be able to do that. And, and, you know, one of the things I think, you know, if there's any young athletes listening to this show and sorry for cutting you off, but you just, you just sparked a thought when you said, I get to, you know, the power of self-talk inside your own head is huge. huge. Like you, it, it is so big. It is literally the game changing thing in so many situations. So, you know, if you're that guy who, when the rain starts flying as a quarterback, you say, Oh shit, change your internal self-talk and say, no, this is great. I have the advantage today. Mm. My receivers know where they are going. The defensive back does not know where they're going. We're going to hit double, double moves for big plays. I'm going to hit my receiver on these big in cuts for big plays. Um, and, and so use it to your advantage, know the power of positive self-talk and, and use it. Love it. Preaching the gospel there. Yo, you know, this has been a great show, Brock. I had no doubt it would. I've always uh, loved being around you. And even though we're not next to each other through the screen, sure. you're one of the good ones, man. And uh, from Thank day you. one, you know, uh, been, been, you know, lucky to be a part of your career, send you little texts here and there, yeah. make sure you're doing good, prepared. But you said it, man. And it's the way we're going to, I'm going to, I'd like to end the show is just everybody do it the Kalispell way because that's preparing for the unknown. Because right now it's all unknown. Yep, I mean, yep. in this world we're in. So thankfully you've grown up that way. Grant, I could tell you're mentally ready. Uh, you guys should not be worried about me either. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said, everyone know the Kalispell way is to be prepared for the unknown. And uh, right. thanks for coming on the show today, man. It was awesome. Yeah, guys, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You bet, man. Appreciate it. Everyone check out the Brock and Roll show too. Go check it out. I was on. Had some Love good it. morsels on there, too. That was fun, man. So keep up the good work. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll, I'll see you boys up in the Northwest. All right. All right. Peace.